Glad to be here. Anybody else in the room glad to be here this morning? Would you stand with me one more time, please? So glad to just enter the presence of the Lord, worship Him. Thank you, praise team, for all that you guys do. Thank you, congregation, for entering in with us. Thank you, Michael and Nikki and your beautiful family for your words this morning and peace of God that's in your lives. This morning, if, uh, if you'd find a screen that's uh, comfortable for you to look and read, let's share our series text in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. Here we go. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We're going to slide back to Isaiah chapter 9, and we have two verses. These are long verses, though. So it's a couple of pages, a couple of paragraphs here. Let's read together from Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Bow your hearts with me, please, this morning. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, thank you, Jesus, that you've come and you've answered the question, what is God like? You came and entered this world as a babe in a manger in Bethlehem where there was no room in the inn. Thank you, Lord, this morning that we make room in our hearts for you. We ask you, in the name of Jesus, to permeate the atmosphere of this place, fill our homes, fill our hearts, fill our lives with your presence, not just in this time of the year when we acknowledge our preparation and advent, when we celebrate by giving gifts to our families and friends, uh, in Christmas, when we gather around our trees tomorrow night and we uh, open gifts and we share love and laugh and eat and all the things we're going to do for the next few days, God, we just thank you that it's all about you and that you're at the center of this. We give you praise that the word was made flesh and he moved into the neighborhood and we saw the world had a demonstration of who God is. Thank you today that I acknowledge before you and this people that I am utterly incapable of doing anything apart from you. Thank you that you, you animate my words today by the power of the Holy Spirit. You fill my lungs with breath that you've made the choice to let me live today. I thank you for that. It's a gift. God, I ask you right now that you give us hearing ears and seeing eyes, for the Lord hath made them both as we open this word in honor of you today. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. We are wrapping up our series called Promise, and um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. It's going to be a great time, carols, candles, Holy Communion. Uh, it's always a very special time, <clears throat> just, just an atmosphere of great expectation. It'll be standing room only, people around all the walls. Please come early and uh, get a seat, greet someone. A lot of folks you'll see an opportunity together all in the same place. Uh, tomorrow night at 5.30, so we're excited about that. First of the year, starting a whole new series called Red Letter Prayers. 
Everybody say red letter prayers. So we're talking in four weeks about the prayers that Jesus prayed. We're going to kick the new year off with a focus on seeking the Lord in prayer. And so I'm excited about that. I think 2013 is going to be amazing. It's going to be better than 2012. We have the promise and the hope that is given to us in this very kernel of Scripture, this seed corn, this little place 700 years before it was fulfilled in Bethlehem, Isaiah, royal blood in his veins, related to the king Uzziah, who was on the throne at the time, serving in the court of the king as a royal prophet, declared in Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, I will give you a sign, and a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas is all about God coming down. The rest of the religions of the world are all about you climbing up to, ascending to a place of nirvana or nothingness or perfection. But God reverses it. Everything about the kingdom of God is upside down. It's God coming to us and literally becoming the ladder to heaven. He has made the way. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the open door. His blood has given us access into the most holy place that is in the presence of the Father. So this morning, as we look at this, we are uh, not going to take time to summarize, but just to briefly say this, and that God has spoken his word. His word contains power to produce the idea that the word contains. Words are powerful. Words have in them the ability to induce emotion, to bring memory, to cause us to laugh, to cause us to cry, to be sad, to be happy, to be triumphant, to be sorrowful. Words, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, have the power of death and life in them. And God said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It won't come back to me void. It, won't, it will not return empty. It will accomplish the thing for which it was sent and it will prosper. It will come back multiplying. And this little bitty seed kernel that I alluded to just a moment ago says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So from the time that this one that was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, from the time he was born, the kingdom of God had just come in substance. He demonstrated it. He stood on the side of a mountain and he gave us a whole new constitution for living. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, the Blessed's Blessed Are. And we're going to talk about the peacemakers this morning because this message today is the about the Prince of Peace who has come. Hope begins in our hearts. It is brought into being by the love of the Father. The love that comes and is manifest brings us joy. And joy moves into this amazing thing that we call peace. Greek word is irene. The Hebrew word is shalom. Everybody say shalom, y'all. <laughs> little southern Hebrew there. <laughs> Number one, three points this morning that I want to bring to you very quickly. Number one, nothing can stop the seed of promise. Say that with me. Nothing can stop the seed of promise. That great hymn that we sang just a moment ago was for 100 years a hymn of victory about the ever-increasing kingdom of God and was not considered to be a Christmas carol. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. 
Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Many times we've grown up in churches where we've grown accustomed to singing the first, second, and fourth verses, always, uh, for whatever reason, not having time to get to the third. And the third one has powerful truth that a lot of folks never have ever really heard the third verse to the Christmas carol, which was not a Christmas carol for its first 100 years. It was a great hymn celebrating the victory of the gospel in the earth and the ever-increasing kingdom of God. That's not coming someday, but is already here. Notice it doesn't say he's coming back one of these days to rule the world, but the fourth verse caps the whole thing off after we have sung, no more let sins nor sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known far as the curse is found. This all ties in because we go back to Genesis when the first seed of hope was planted in the hearts of broken, disobedient man. He made them male and female. They were Adam and Eve. And they committed high treason and broke the law of God, which was very simple. It was one commandment from the beginning. Increase and multiply. You've been made in the image of God after his likeness. In his very image, you've been created. The Imago Dei, the image of God has been stamped into you. You can have anything you want here. All of this, as far as their eye could see, and they could continue to walk and continue to see, God's intention, I believe, was to make the Garden of Eden a seed and that it would, the glory of it would fill and cover the whole planet, which it's, his intention has never changed. Adam made the decision to allow his wife to listen to the whisperer, the serpent, which is the same way he works and operates today. Most of us, our problems are not our problem, but it's what we think about our problem, and we need a checkup from the neck up, as my dear brother Zig Ziglar, who went to be with the Lord this last month, always said, we need to get rid of stinking thinking. And so as we wrap this up today, we remember that hope was given in the garden when God first pronounced his judicial edict, his judgment against the serpent first and then the woman and then the man and then the land. And there was a curse on every one of them. But in the middle of the curse, God gave a promise. And the promise was that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And so this one that was blamed is going to bear the seed of eternal life. So the promise became a hope. Hope came alive. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And Genesis 3.15 gives us what we call the protoevangel. It is the first gospel message in seed form in Genesis 3.15. God says, I got something up my sleeve. You think that you've caused this thing to go into this big disarray, but I'm telling you, I'm going to work this together for my good, says the Lord, and for your good as a byproduct. And so hope begins, and the love of God is... Seen thousands of years later, prophets and sages and saints all arise and know that something's coming. God has something up his sleeve. The seed is coming. The seed is coming. It is announced through history. It is sung in songs. It is groaned and mourned in dirges and sorrowful tunes because the whole universe has been thrown into the state of a curse and nature basically is responding in a minor key, moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 21 through 23 tell us. The whole creation groans and travails in birth 
longing to see the manifestation of the sons of God. And Scripture says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. That the creature itself, the creation, another translation says, shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So God intends to redeem the created order. He's not just about saving souls one at a time. That's the gospel on the ground. The gospel in the air is that God's going to bring joy, hope and love and joy and peace to the whole creation. That even nature itself that was altered because of the far-reaching implications of the curse. This great hymn says, No more let sin nor sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known, for as the curse is found. Y'all still asleep this morning? Because I've laid out some truth here that'll just about hair lip you. For as the curse is found. We're going to talk about that this morning. And then it's capped off. The cake is iced with he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love and the wonders of his love and the wonders of his love. Not he's coming back someday to rule the world. He rules the world right now, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high beside the heavenly father who himself said the most quoted verse in the whole New Testament out of the Old Testament is that reappearance every time of Psalm 110. Sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool, saith the Lord. And he's seated right now as the increase of his government and peace has completely tsunamied this planet. It began with 12 who lingered after the resurrection and and it moved into 120 on the day of Pentecost. And that day, God immediately set an explosion. Uh, A a nuclear fission began to move into place and 120 became 3,000 and they stepped out into the market and Peter preached like a man possessed and God began the multiplication of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. And they're moving around among the people and the Spirit of God is alive in a fresh and a new kind of way like we've never seen it before. And Peter stands up and he says, In the last days it says that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And we've been marching 2,000 years through this whole new day. I'm telling you, I'm not at all surprised that the Mayan calendar didn't come through and we are still here today because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, unto him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus, world without end. Repent for the end of the world is not near. Now, your world might be near. Any of us could take our last breath while we're in this service. But the earth is going to endure and the glory of the Lord is going to cover it. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea is what the the gospel is declared to us. And we have the witness of the prophets in the Old Testament. Y'all are almost scared to say amen to all that, aren't you? (laughs) It's the grand hope of the gospel. It's we have reduced in America the gospel to just the salvation of your soul and you hang on until the rapture and you can sneak out of here on the nearest bus ride of an escape and just let the whole world go to hell. And that's not at all what God has in mind. And I just wish some of those guys would read their Bibles because it would open up their understanding. 
nothing can stop the seed. Nothing can stop the seed. I'm going to say it again. Say it with me like you mean it. Nothing can stop the seed. Kings and madmen and dictators and Caesars and Pharaohs and tyrants have made every attempt throughout every generation. There have already been antichrists that have revealed themselves in every generation and they've attempted to abort the seed. Pharaoh caused thousands of little boy babies to be killed because he was trying to stop the the proclamation of God bringing a deliverer. But God has a way of getting his deliverer into the right place at the right time. Pharaoh tried to kill the seed, but God raised up Moses, the deliverer. 2,000 years later, uh, a, a, a tyrannical madman, a megalomaniac sitting on the throne at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ by the name of Herod is visited from, by some magi from the east who saw the star and they began their trek and their journey, which took them months. I don't want to... I, 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 I don't want to get controversial here this morning, but I just want you to know when you see the manger scene and the crash and the, all the animals and the kings don't show up till two years later. If you read it in Matthew chapter 2, they visited the child. It's not the same Greek word for babe in the manger. It says the child in the house. They were back in Nazareth by this point when they brought the gifts the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. We don't know how many there were. It is legend that says we three kings from Orient are. And we start to think that a Christmas carol is truly inscripturated authority. And I just made up a word on the spot, inscripturated. <laughs> it sounds really good, though I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> Some of you would have known. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, nothing can stop the seed. So Herod tries to kill the seed and he has all the boy babies two years old and under because the Bible says in Matthew 2, he called the Magi back and inquired of them the time which they first saw the star appear in the east. And so according to that, he had the boy babies two years old and under killed in the whole region around Bethlehem. Well, it was too late. The seed had already been born and they'd already scurried off and taken him into hiding because God has a way of defeating the attempt of the enemy to try to kill the seed in your life. Come on, somebody. If you'll just hear what I've got to say, it's got just a little bit of preaching. And I know it's early and I know you're tired and I know you're ready to to get into all the festivities of Christmas. But if you'll just take a minute and let me have my way for just a minute and preach just a little bit to you this morning, I promise you, you will leave here encouraged. Because the same father who cared for Moses under Pharaoh, the same father who brought Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, in spite of a madman's attempt to stop the seed, he protected him and brought him upon the scene at his right and duly appointed time. And the same spirit that is in him is on the inside of you this morning. You are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. First Peter 1, 23. Look at your neighbor and say, tell your neighbor right now, say, neighbor, there's something inside you that can't be stopped. Death can't kill it. The enemy can't destroy it. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Nothing can stop the seed of promise. Number two, I tell you, I'm going to let myself this morning if nobody else lets me. I'm going to preach myself happy 
Since one of those days, I know some of you don't feel like being here. Let me just tell you, I'm going to just preach myself out of that into some joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Number two, Jesus is our shalom. He is our wholeness. Everybody say shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, and it does not just mean the absence of strife. It does not mean without war. We had 40, 50, 60 years. 50. Let me, let me, let me back up here. I'm, I'm the history person. 40 solid years of Cold War in America. The, the nuclear armament race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Cold War. No shots being fired. If we define peace in the sense of the fact that there is not somebody shooting across the bow at us, then yes, we could call that peace. But technically, that's not peace because we were living in what the French called detente. Everybody say detente. Some of you have endured some seasons of like that in your marriages, in your relationship. You know what detente is? You know, nobody's taking any blows. There are no abusive languages that are being shared. No little French four-letter words, maybe. But detente literally means organized tension. How many of you ever had any organized tension in your house? Now, I never have. I just want you to know. And I, if that were the truth, I'd be lying, but I'm, I'm just joking trying to get your attention. Yeah, I've had some organized tension. Detente is not peace. Peace is shalom. It is, it is wholeness. It is, it is everything that is associated with the prince of peace, his government. Out of chaos comes order. Out of everything that is in disarray, I, I've always tried to teach my children, look, you, you know, God will honor when you have faithfulness in the little things. Go into your room and take dominion. Spread the kingdom of God. There is disorder all over that room. In the name of Jesus, the chaos, speak light to it. Say, let there be light. You know what that means? That means pick the clothes up off the floor and put them on the hanger. Well, they're clean. Well, okay, put, but put them in the hanger and put that in the closet and fold it and put it in the drawer. Oh, it's amazing of the increase of his government, how peace comes along with it. Don't shout me down, parents. And all the teenagers are going, Pastor, I really love you, but you're ticking me off right now. You know, order is a kingdom principle because God always brings order out of chaos. There, there, there are chaotic elements to our lives that the enemy wants to throw us into, stealing and killing and destroying and attempting to stop the seed or abort the seed. As a matter of fact, the whole spirit of this age in which we live since Roe v. Wade in 1973, that's the reason I think it's significant that we talk about every 2,000 years. 4,000 years ago with Moses, 2,000 years ago with Christ, right now in our present generation, the American Holocaust is taking place. And since 1973, 40 million babies have been aborted because the enemy has legalized it and he's trying to stop the seed of a whole generation that will be raised up as champions for the kingdom of God. I saw a cartoon on Facebook the other day that said, God, why haven't you sent someone with a cure for cancer, someone to stop? And it was all of these various things that were, are the ailments. 
the maladies of our current societal situation. And God responded in the cartoon and said, I have, but you aborted him. You killed her in the womb. Can you imagine the economy that we would have right now if we had 40 million people in the workforce? Just something to think about. Even in spite of that, in, in Pharaoh's day, an attempt to stopping Moses, in Herod's day, an attempt to stopping Jesus, in the American Holocaust, in the utter slaughter of 40 million babies on the altar of convenience to the God of selfishness, God says, still, nothing can stop the seed. Don't shout me down, saints. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus is our shalom. He is our wholeness. John 14, 27, the Bible says, My peace I give unto you. Wholeness. It's not just the absence of strife. It's certainly more than just having quiet, organized tension. But it's a complete, overwhelming sense of the peace of God, the prosperity of the Lord, the provision of God, touching every aspect of your life and your relationships. Peace the power of God to carry out the, the mission that he's given to you. It is peace, power, and plenty, and prosperity, and provision. And I'm not trying to preach a wonderful Adrian Rogers alliterated P message, but literally all of those words carry this whole idea of wholeness. We've been put together. We've been reintegrated. We have been remembered by God. Remembered as in we've had all of our broken, fractured pieces of our whole body, the members have been brought back together. Literally, when God remembers us, it's a picture of putting us back together. That's a whole nother message. Whole nother. <laughs> Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile, and he's destroyed the hostility, the enmity, of two, making himself one new man. God has one program on the planet, and it is defined in terms of who is or who is not in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. The Bible says this for you this morning. Some of you are lacking some peace. Isaiah 53, 5. He's not prophesying about a baby any longer. How many of you know he's not just a baby anymore? He didn't stay a baby in the manger. And lots of people come around We'll have some folks who'll take a look-see, and we will, we will throw arms around them and embrace them. But a lot of folks like the Christmas story because it's an unassuming, non-threatening baby in a manger. But I just want to tell you that the baby grew up, and he looked at some people and said, if you don't forsake everything, you're none of my disciples. Babies don't threaten anybody. Everybody loves a baby. They coo, and they smile, and they gurgle, and they laugh. But he's not just a baby anymore. And he grew up and he became great conqueror. He's called wonderful counselor. He's not just a baby anymore. Those are the words to a song that I wrote over 25 years ago. For he himself is our peace. Isaiah gets in the spirit in the day of the Lord and he begins to prophesy out of Isaiah 53. And he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You have something this morning for which science has no answer. You're in a situation that the banker can't fix. A lawyer can't legally move you out of it. A judge in a courtroom can't declare it judicially. 
uh, a friend can't comfort you or you, you, you can't go to a chiropractor and get it popped back and realigned. Whatever your situation is, let me tell you, the chastisement of your peace was poured out upon Jesus. He died so that you could have wholeness, so that you could have shalom. When the, when the Jewish people greet each other, that, I, that word is so pregnant. They, they say hello that way. They say goodbye that way. It's like aloha in, in Hawaii. It is a greeting. It is a departure. And it is one that basically says that we are not separated. We are together even though we are apart geographically. Shalom, y'all. Wholeness is the word of the Lord. It is God's looking into your chaos and he's calling those things which be not as though they were. And he's speaking by faith that so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It's, it's going to come and teach and it'll bring light where there's darkness. It, it will bring order where there is all of this stuff that is broken apart. God says, I'm gonna heal it and put it back together and remember you. Apologize to the front row. I'm a little too excited. I'm not really preached if I don't spit just a little bit. A seed produces after its kind. Point number three, and I'm finished. God has called us to take up the mission of peacemaker. God has called us to take up the mission of peacemaker. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it's the constitution of the kingdom of God. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the weos, Greek word for mature, grown sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. There's some maturity when you can step into a situation of two opposing sides and you can be a spirit-filled arbiter and you can look at one and you can look at another and you can bring them to a place of peace. And thank God, I love my job. I married two couples yesterday. By the way, let me stop and just say welcome to the very first time of a whole new creation in the room, Mr. and Mrs. Richard Nelson. Would you give them a hand this morning? Two weddings. All of the years, I've had a lot of stuff hit the same day, but never do two weddings. Two weddings yesterday. It's amazing. Open hearts, beautiful faces, hope-filled futures, powerful words that are spoken, vows that are declared, and then the commitment that we walk out for year after year. After year after year, and in the midst of all of our relationships, he is our peace. He is the arbiter. He is the one who says, I have called you to be peacemakers. Now, too many times we confuse that, and we think that God just wants us to keep the peace, and we end up giving in to. And let me tell you, all you do is you create detente. You create organized tension. Sometimes to be a peacemaker, you have to sit down, and you have to pray through, and you have to get uh, covered with the peace of God yourself. You have to strap on your boots that the Bible says are called shoes of peace when you enter into a time of warfare, spiritual warfare, sometimes with the ones you love the most in the house with you. And you have to look at them and you have to, in love, speak truth. Because if you just stay in a place of covering and you always let that one get away with what they're doing and you never confront in love, you're not making peace. You might be keeping some detente. You may be keeping some organized tension. But sometimes it requires that we go before God and we say, Lord, I strip everything off of me that is not in you and help me to sit down with my brother, with my sister, with my child, with my parent, with my wife, with my husband, with my friend, and be able to say, brother, sister, we need to talk now, this is what's happening in my heart, in my life. I want peace to be between us. We need to make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the 
sons of God. Last scripture, and I'm finished this morning. Are you getting anything out of this? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Paul writes two letters to this amazing church in Corinth. It is a cosmopolitan city. It would probably be like Las Vegas. It would probably be like New York City in the Middle East. Corinth is... Is it has everything that you can imagine that you think you might like to see in terms of entertainment and everything worldly is there. And God is doing a powerful move of the Spirit in this church in Corinth. And it is not a perfect church as are there are no perfect churches anywhere in the world. And Paul is trying to bring about some order and establish because there's a great potential for Corinth to be able to touch a significant part of the world. And, and, and Corinth has brought in all kinds of people from all kinds of lifestyles styles and every echelon. And, and I just want to tell you, I think that God is starting to begin to do some, some of the same things in Victory Church in West Memphis that he was trying to do in Corinth. And that is to reach some people that nobody else is reaching. And that means we have to make room for them. And we have to let God deal with our hearts in some areas where we might have a little bit of prejudice that might be skin-related or it might be lifestyle-related or it might be of any of these kind of things. And we're able to come to peace with ourselves about that and to recognize that nobody's sin is so great that Jesus can't save them. And nobody has done something so far down that Jesus can't get up underneath them and lift them up. And that there really can be, not just in a fairy tale, not just in a nice story that says that everybody lived happily ever after, that there really actually can be people who've made a decision to live by that basis and by that constitution, that we would be called the people of God, that we would be peacemakers. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 14 says it this way. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. My, 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 I could stop right there and preach for an hour. Aim. Don't anybody say, thank God he's not. Aim for restoration. Aim for restoration. Don't, don't let detente exist 40 years in your marriage. Don't let detente, don't let organized tension, the absence of real, true shalom, the peace of God. Let it come. Begin this season. Reach out to the old goat in your family that you're dreading seeing at dinner tomorrow, Tuesday. Oh, you've got one of those in your family too? Reach out. Instead of responding in kind to the snide remarks that every one of us at some point in our lives, have endured around the Christmas table by the in-laws and the outlaws and all the other laws. But choose to respond the way Jesus would and just pour, inundate them, tsunami them with the love of Jesus. Make a determination to be a peacemaker. That doesn't mean that you get out the Bible and you preach to them for 30 minutes and hit them over the head either. But it means you just show it. Just, just, just show it. Just smile and just, and just compliment them. Oh, you're just so pretty today. And you're looking at somebody that looks like this. <laughs> Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Oh, my goodness. We fall out over the most ridiculous, inane, That's right. I'm going to use a word, asinine, 
We fall out with each other and we split churches and then we call it church planting when we do because we're embarrassed about the fact that we've split a church over something that I'm going to tell you God doesn't care about. Well, I think the carpet ought to be blue. Well, I think it ought to be red. And God is going, oh, help me. I'm not kidding you. There are churches in this town that have split over... And if I had the issue that I said, if I said the one I'm thinking about, you'd know the churches that I'm talking about. Some of you wouldn't, so I'm not going to say it. Don't come up after and ask me either. (laughs) It's frightening. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. Live in peace. You have to make the decision. I have at times have had to look at people and say, I love you, We we don't agree on this, I'm not going to be in strife with you because I love you more than this issue. Now, I wish my wife were in the room this morning, but there's there's times that we've looked at each other and said, we are not going to be in strife. We're going to ask God to give us direction because we just don't agree. So we're going to agree that the Lord's going to lead us and we're going to lay this thing down. Because you know what? You can take something little and you can lose the person you love the most over something so trivial and you will turn around later in your life and you will go, God, forgive me. I'm embarrassed over the fact that I let something begin. You know, let me tell you something, saints. It's usually not the big outrageous sins that destroy marriages. It's the little foxes that destroy the vines. It's the buildup of the little things. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and look at this, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Emmanuel. You make a decision to aim for restoration, to be a comforter, to agree with people, to live in peace with them, and it's amazing how God says, I'm going to show up just to see you do it because it's just not an ordinary thing that happens every day, and I want to see it, so I'm going to come down here and get up in the middle of the party with you when people start making a decision to aim for restoration and to comfort each other and to live in peace and to agree with each other. The God of love and peace will be with you. I believe that's what Jesus said when he said, if two or three of you are worshiping in my name, there am I in the midst. One of my friends, great Bible teacher in the 1970s, Bob Mumford, used to say it this way, if two or three of you can get together, I'll show up just to see it. (laughs) Those of you who've been around long enough for the body of Christ can see the humor and the reality in that. And he finishes by saying, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Finally, nothing can stop the seed. That same seed is in you. And this morning, God has called you to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Bow your hearts with me, please, this morning as we close this this message. Father, thank you today for your holy presence. Thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus, for the love of God, and for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We choose today, O God, in this congregation to rejoice, to aim for restoration, to love each other, to agree with one another, to comfort one another, to live in peace. And God, we thank you for the promise that you've said your word would not return to you void. The God of love and peace will be with us. Bless our families as we greet loved ones and some others that we know will tension will arrive when they pull up. 
God, help us to comfort and to aim for restoration and to love each other. Thank you that you are the peacemaker. You made peace. You reconciled us to the Father. Lord, even as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, making peace with the world. And now he's given us the message of reconciliation, which is very simply this. God's made peace with you. Now reach out in faith and make peace with him. Be reconciled to God. That's the gospel right there. The chastisement of our peace was poured out upon him. He was wounded for your transgressions, yours personally sitting there this morning, bruised for your iniquities. By his stripes, you are healed. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And this morning, I implore you to use a word the Apostle Paul used, be reconciled to God. If you've never crossed that line of faith today, I'm only going to take a moment and tell you that it is a gracious gift of God. God's righteous character, his law, his holiness demands perfection. And nobody in the room, me being the first in the line, cannot keep that holy law. If I've broken one part of it, I've broken all of it. I will never stand before God justified by the law. It's going to take something greater, a higher law. It's called the law of grace. God pours himself out in humanity, in his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived the perfect sinless life, kept every jot and tittle of the law. And he laid down his life for you. And very simply, it is just reaching out by faith, which by the way, God gives you that as a gift as well. It has nothing to do with you. God's tapping some shoulders in this room this morning. If you've never crossed the line of faith today and you'd like to be included in this prayer, it's just very simple. It says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You confess with your mouth what you have believed in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that's, that's how it comes. If we try to earn it, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, it's a gift. Everybody say a gift. The gift of God is eternal life. If you'd like to cross that line of faith this morning, anybody wants to be included in the prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. just want to pray for you. Anybody in the room, just slip your hand up. I want to pray. Anybody at all. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the Spirit of the Lord over their lives. I pray that the encouraging word that's come today brings them to the understanding that the Prince of Peace has come not just as a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago, but he's come in their hearts and the kingdom of God is there in their heart right now. Encourage these believers. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, I pray, as we go out of this place today. Everybody said.